This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome back, everyone, to the Janice Dean Podcast. You're going to love my next guest because we all love him so much here at Fox News. Jimmy Fela is a professional stand-up comic who used to be a New York City cab driver. His story from driving people around one of the craziest cities in the world to hosting Fox Across America here on Fox News Radio is quite a ride. I love his story about how he met his wife and his love of his family and his country. Every time I see Jimmy in the hallway, he always makes me smile. And truly, that's why I adore him. He makes any day better. And after our conversation, I truly do want to host a show with him someday from the back seat of a cab. So here he is. Put your hands together, everyone, for the unbelievably talented and funny Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, we should start by saying it is 5.40 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know who does a podcast except you and I at this hour. Yeah, I was hustled. Janice Dean was like, hey, can you do my podcast at 5.40 tomorrow? I was like, yeah, sure, p.m.? And she was like, here's the thing. <laughs> well, I saw that you were on Fox and Friends first, okay. which you do quite often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, but- I'm kind of your opening act. <laughs> I love that. I love that about you. But tell me what your day consists. I mean, are you in this early or is it just a few days a week? I actually am. So here's the thing. You know, you've probably heard me say this a billion times. I used to be a cab driver. So I yes. keep, these are my hours anyway. You know, when you drive a cab, you drive 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. So okay. you're usually up around 3.30 to go get your cab, kind of question all of your life's choices up until the moment you get in. <laughs> and then you get in, you go, you kind of, you know, have your day. You talk to your time travelers and your hobbits and everybody in between. <laughs> But uh, uh, in a given Fox day, okay, I like to get up at this hour and read. Okay. So when you guys are doing TV, I'm usually like reading about the news and kind of absorbing it before I get here and start doing hits right. and stuff. So I'm usually not in the door here at Fox till like 7. Okay. But I'm up like 4.30 every morning. Since when? Oh, wow. I mean, I really drove a cab full time from like 07 to like 24. 14, late, wow. almost 2015. So I've been keeping those hours at least, uh, I guess at least for 15 years. Okay. Which is amazing. And so how did you get from driving a cab to here? Wow. So here's the thing about low-level extortion. No, I'm kidding. Uh-huh. <laughs> Even at 540, he's hilarious. Oh, you stomp it, Janice Dean. So here's the thing. I was always driving a cab and doing stand-up. And one night, a Fox booker saw me at the Gotham Comedy Club down on 23rd Street. I'm like, hey, do you want to be on Kennedy's show tomorrow? And, you know, we love Kennedy. And I was like, of course I do. But I kind of thought it was like half a prank. The first time I did a hit on Kennedy, I had a cab double parked in front of this building. Like, I, I was on a shift. I had my cab because I oh, rented it for the week. Oh, my goodness. So I did a hit on Kennedy uh, as I was walking out of the building. Like, she was like, hey, that was fun. Nice to meet you. I'm like, I got to go. I got to grab my cab. And she was like, there's nobody in it. And I was like, here's the thing. <laughs> this is where it gets a little weird. It's my cab. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of how I got started. Kennedy's Booker drug, you know, brought me on the air. And uh, I wore a lot of loud sport coats. Janice Dean, I'm not kidding when I say this. The reason I wore loud jackets in the beginning 
is because it really did distract from like my glaring lack of intellect. And what Stop I know, but I'm it. not, I'm not being modest. Like what I mean by that is, um, you know, I had like a basic grasp of politics, but getting on the air surrounded by people like well steeped in this stuff. I would come on, make a joke about my jacket, make a metaphor about the debt ceiling and leave. And they'd be like, that guy's pretty good. And I didn't do anything. But <laughs> that's like a, a distraction. Yes, in the beginning. Now, if you've noticed, I actually have toned down my appearance because I sort of fit in now. You know, That's interesting. Do you think a lot of comedians do that? Yes. I think on some level, you know, in politics, they say the adage is answer the question you want to answer, not mm. the one you were asked, okay. you know, shift to your talking points. Right. Well, in comedy, what we're always trying to do is create uh, an atmosphere to be funny in. So oh. you're trying to shift to that energy. Oh. So this is a thing you learn in the beginning, Janice Dean, which is very funny. When you're doing a hit with somebody on live TV, okay, they bring you on to talk about something, some serious subject, okay? But you make a peripheral joke, not about the subject, because you know better. You don't make fun of the bad, you know, the bad thing. You make fun of how we consume the bad. You know, it's bad enough we've got this bad thing, but now you've got all these other experts on Twitter trying to be experts on this bad thing. You know, you go to that other place, okay. right? But sometimes in the beginning of those hits, when I first started out here, it's very funny. So you could tell a joke at the top of a hit and you could see the anchor's face just lose all color. Like, how am I going to steer this conversation <laughs> back to where we needed it to be? Right. But that's your responsibility as a comic okay. is like to get you here and yeah. just get you back. Wow. How about it? Little little joke GPS. When did you know you were funny? Oh, wow. Um, this is a rough one, Janice Dean, because the truth is... <laughs> <laughs> to make it as a comic, you have to have living in your head at all times, like a really almost like an abusive stage dad who oh, just yells what? at you all day. No, no, it's really funny. Like I walk around all day with this man yelling at me. Who's this then, man? I don't know. He's like Joe Jackson. I'm like Michael. <laughs> and like right before I go on stage, he's like, you look good, Michael. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm amazing. This is going to be great. <laughs> but most of being a comic is not knowing you're funny. It's like kind of science. You just keep questioning and questioning and questioning because it keeps you writing. Does that make sense? Of course. But as a kid, uh, Comedy was always like a survival skill. Everyone in my family is a cop but me. Um, I would get beat up by my brothers and my dad. So joking was my way out of bad situations. Yeah. And then in like middle school, uh, because I was I was like a chubby little kid. Like Aww. I looked like I was in my third trimester. But I liked the ladies and I did well because I could make them laugh. Yes. So I'm telling you, comedy fellas, if you get, get a rubber chicken or something. If you got no game, <laughs> little colonial rubber chicken, you're on your way. So were you kind of a class clown or what? In in high school, uh, I did win like all of those wacky superlatives, like class clown, most talkative, most fun to be with. And okay. I was like a silly guy. It was what I did. Yeah. And I thought it was fun because like what happened to me uh, is like, you know, I grew up watching comedians like Rodney D. You know, I watched Love a lot of The him. Tonight Show. Rodney D is the best. And, um, you know, it just looked fun. And I, I've just always been attracted to fun. You know, yeah. positive energy attracts positive outcomes. Mm -hmm. So I've always been in that pursuit. That's why we get along well. But a lot of comedians have sort of a dark side. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> really tortured side. Yes, uh -huh. You don't seem like that guy. No, not at all. But the way I keep myself working, though, is you've got to be like a harsh self-critic. Because that's how you improve material. If you write a joke, you're like, they laughed. And hmm. I guess I'm done here. You don't get any better. But what a lot of comics, this is the truth. And, and this is, I don't think, specific to comedy. But you hear more about it on the comedy side because it's such a juxtaposition against that emotion we're selling, which is happy fun guy, right. is there's a lot of people who have convinced themselves that if they just achieve this success, they'll finally start enjoying life. Mm. But the key to life is, you know, it's almost an unteachable thing, uh, but you have to know that we're all in the fun business. 
no matter what your job pursuit happens to be. If you die tomorrow, you're going to wish you had more fun. Mm. So it's a kind of incumbent upon people to learn how to have fun before they're successful. Because getting successful, if you're miserable, it doesn't actually change that. Yeah. And I know a lot of like really poor cab drivers that are hilarious people. <laughs> and I know a lot of, you know, comedians worth $100 million that if they jumped off a bridge tomorrow, I wouldn't be that surprised. Wow. You know, it's yeah. weird. Your attitude defines your experience. That's what a woman told me in my cab. Does that make sense? Of course. Boom. Now, you wrote a book about being a cab Oh, driver. Janice, Dean. Tell if, me about that. If you like reading at a third grade level, <laughs> wow, you're not ready for this. So, uh, Charles Osgood, who hosts CBS Sunday Morning. Love. Okay, so he and I, you didn't know this, he and I are actually very good friends. <gasps> I met him driving a cab. That's the Osgood file. Oh, my goodness. Charles he's Osgood. like a hero oh, of mine. Oh, you, I, I didn't know that. We can of get into course. it. And he's like the best piano player in the world. And he, he has the best Christmas party. My wife makes the cake. I know his family well. We'll get into it. I don't mean to sidetrack you, but Charles Osgood met me driving a cab. And uh, we became fast friends because he's a Yankee fan. Okay. And he started coming to my stand-up shows. And he was like, you know, I don't, I don't do anything in comedy, but if you'd like to write a book about this, I'd, I'd be happy to have you write a book. And, this is yeah, fabulous. Amazing. He's like, I, you know, I obviously don't want your content anywhere near mine for obvious reasons. <laughs> he was doing, for real, he was doing Horton Hears a Who at the time I met him. Oh, my goodness. And I'm driving a cab. It's Jimmy Hears a Ho. You know what I mean? It's a different, it's a <laughs> different totally vibe. Thing. But uh, he was my pal. And I wrote a book about oh. the nine months I spent driving a cab while my wife was pregnant with our oh, son, Lincoln. Goodness. So it's a good adventure. And it's a lot of parental advice and, and life advice. People Don't you me. love that? I feel like kids these days are worried about their future. They're, you know, they're pressured on what they need to do in life. Mm -hmm. And my whole life, my trajectory has been about people helping me get to where I am today. Yep, yep. Of course, you have to get in the room and prove yourself. Mm -hmm. But all along the way, it's been good people helping yes. me out. Oh, always there was somebody great above you that's why you try if you're in a position we're in now you know you try mm -hmm. to give back and kind of pave that road just the same like i have a real survivor's guilt from spending as much time driving a cab as i do like when i get driven home from here after a tv hit i'm not, i'm tipping drivers to the point that they think i'm romantically interested in it. <laughs> they're like <laughs> men lined up outside my house with wine and roses like i thought we had something and i'm like that wasn't that it's just you know i've driven a, long, a lot of long shifts Aww. but you're right and it, it's true it's the the combination of having those generous souls ahead of you and of course being able to take advantage of the opportunity yeah but you get it we just wrote a pretty good self-help book here by the way <laughs> let's do it <laughs> tell me about that tell me about your son mm -hmm. i was talking to somebody the other day i think it was carly and carly shimpkis and she said mm -hmm. have you ever met his wife oh. i said no i haven't met her yet she's like jimmy's awesome oh. but his wife is amazing oh, and so is your son? They're, they're a good. They're a good time. And let me tell you where it starts. Okay? okay, my wife grew up on a dairy farm in Wapakoneta, Ohio. So at the time we met, she had no idea how much better she could do. You know what I mean? She was surrounded by cows and pigs and chickens, and it was like this fast talk in New Yorker. And she didn't know her street value. Like when she finally moved to New York, I think she felt had a little bit. But no, she's you know a good time, uh, very capable. She's like a frontiers woman. Like mm. my wife builds, she repurposes furniture, she makes really high-end cakes uh, and my son is kind of an offshoot of both of us in that he's you know a little bit of a pain in the butt because he's always like giving me a hard time but I have him on the radio and he's great uh, but he has like a good generous spirit and I think he gets that from his mom oh. I'm not saying I don't have that in me right I'm just saying like I'm more of a good timey person my wife is you know she's my wife's going to heaven like I might get in because I know her and I'm gonna <laughs> grease the bouncer yeah. but like she's getting in on the merits you know what I'm saying yeah I'm getting in through a lot of 
back channel, LinkedIn, you know, networking <laughs> type stuff. But Jenny's first ballot Hall of Fame. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How did you guys meet? Oh, wow. So I was performing at a comedy club in Cleveland called okay. Hilarities. It was on her birthday. Okay. And sometimes you talk to the crowd. Like, yes. is anybody celebrating? And, of course, all of her drunk friends were like, it's her birthday. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, and they just want you to ruin their friend's life and make fun of her. Uh, so the first time we ever spoke, it was on stage. <gasps> Oddly enough, Janice Dean, uh, you record all your comedy sets to edit them. So I have a recording of the first time we spoke. Oh, my goodness. For and she didn't know that. And when I proposed one day, I was able to play that conversation. And she <gasps> so was like, tell what me, is this? Replay that. Oh, my God. I mean, if you like romance, we were in the parking lot. <laughs> not even kidding. <laughs> we were in the parking lot at the elementary school I grew up in. That's how I roll. But me and Jenny Phelous, so here's a good thing. Maybe people would get a kick out of this. Me and Jenny Phelous, kind of sweet, but we slow dance a lot. In random places, though. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were just slow dancing in a parking lot. And I just proposed, listen to some, I don't even know what song we were listening to. I should, but it wasn't that coordinated. Did you have a ring or you just oh, did yeah, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. Okay. I knew it was coming. It was like, so to be, to take it next level. Right. Uh, it was also her birthday because we met on her birthday. Right. So I had everyone she knows waiting at our house for a surprise party. Now, bigger, it gets bigger, though. They didn't know we were getting engaged. She didn't know we were having a surprise party. So I just let her in the door, and everyone kind of figured it out. And I went out in the back and just drank with my friends all night. It was glorious. I didn't even do the press conference. Like, she was there with the ring. They're like, what's up with the ring? She's like, why are you people in my house? It was great. But I like that. Sometimes, you know, slight the match. But take me back to okay. when you were doing stand-up. Uh-huh. And... You had to talk to her. What happened? Wow. So it really was as anybody celebrating anything. They yelled out her, you know, and I started asking her who she was with, making fun of her friends. What but do you do for a living? when you saw her in the audience. Oh, let me tell you something. This is a crazy story. <laughs> okay. I was watching The Room. It was a thirsty Thursday in Cleveland. Okay. <laughs> and I was watching The Room fill up. And oddly, like when she walked in, like I'm not, and she knows this and it's true. Like I actually knew I was going to marry her. The Stop second. I'm, the second, and she would tell you the same thing. We didn't say anything about being happy. We just knew we were going to get married, okay? But no, we did. We actually instantly knew. So she saw you. You saw her before any of this. You know, people are attracted to energy. Okay. And people, sometimes your energy with somebody else just clicks in a way that it's effortless. Well, when did you see her? When did you I watched eyes? her walking into the room and just knew there was a weird energy in the room. Oh, my goodness. And my life was on an odd trajectory that week, and I could just feel it building towards something odd. You know okay. what I mean? And uh, I think when we met on stage and talked afterwards, it was just really easy. And, like, we have this weird belief, okay, that we probably hung out in another life 
and just ran into each other again and were able oh, to pick up where we left off. Goodness. Does that make sense, though? Yes. Because what happens is, like, I'm kind of like a manic, woo, let's go, you know, kind of guy. Uh-huh. But Jenny is like, I'm actually relaxed around her. Like, it's the opposite. Interesting. So every time, you know, you've ever met a girl, you know, you spend the first 72 hours, you know, telling them you were in the CIA, and you're <laughs> undercover, and you're going to save the world. <laughs> and I could just, like, be really honest with this girl, which I found relieving uh, and probably too honest out of the gate. <laughs> but that's good, fellas. That's good. Right. You, you lead floor first. You get the tough stuff out of the way. Okay, so you wished her happy birthday, and then did you meet her afterwards? Oh, yeah. If you want the whole shebang, shaboo. Here we I go. I do. I oh, love this No, and stuff. you deserve this. So when the show was over, her friends, it's a great story. Her friends like, oh, you got to come to this bar, the blind pig, which was uncomfortable because it reminded me of someone I dated in college. I'm kidding. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. like, oh, no. But, no, she but that's another story. Hey! But she's like, you got to come to the blind pig and, and meet us out. It's the birthday girl's birthday. And I'm like, no, no, of course I will. But I had another show to do. Okay. So I did a second show. And when I showed up to the blind pig, dun, dun, dun. Uh, they weren't there. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. So now I'm just sitting at the bar getting hit on by a woman at the blind pig. <laughs> and uh, an hour into that, uh, Jenny's roommate at the time walked into the bar okay. and was like, oh, my gosh, we were wondering if you came. We went to another bar. And I was like, oh, get out of here. Take me to the other bar. And we went to the other bar. And I found Jenny. And it was um, it's really weird, Janice. But I conversed with Jenny the first night the way I do right now. Like really weird, like weird. Like we sat down. I'm not like an aggressive guy, but we sat down at a round table with eight other people. Mm -hmm. And I really was like kind of rubbing her leg, like at the knee, respectable. Yeah. But just talking to her privately, just whispering her, talking to her like we drove there in the car and we're catching up. And it's really bizarre. But it took no effort to get into this mess. Okay. Now we're in it. Now, <laughs> now there's children and bills, but it's, I'm not complaining. We're having a nice time. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. It's wild. And then when did she tell you she was having a baby? Oh, wow. So for that one, um, I was driving a cab at the time by now. We were back in Ohio visiting her family. Mm-hmm. And... Ohio State football is such a big deal out there that she came into the bathroom where I was showering and showed me a Brutus the Buckeye pregnancy test <laughs> that had its arms up like touchdown. What? And I didn't even know what this meant. I'm like, what does Brutus the Buckeye have to do? And I was like, oh, you're having a baby. That's amazing. We were all excited. And oh, we were my goodness. Genuinely very excited. So she just, she went all out and did something crazy. Yeah, she- <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we knew we wanted to have a kid. So at the time, I, you know, I was driving a cab and doing stand up. And um, we were, you know, over the moon. Mm-hmm. But I really went through a metamorphosis of like, okay, like you're responsible for a life. Like you kind of have to get your act together. Okay. And it was really helpful to me. Like, the, be- I mean, it's the best argument I make politically for having kids is for a lot of us. If you're a halfway decent person, yeah. that becomes like your GPS in life because you yeah. have to think beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I'm blessed. If I didn't have a kid, I'd be hanging out in La Quinta right now <laughs> trying to hook up with a bar fly, which isn't bad. I'm just saying in general, this is a little more. You know, it is the most important job we'll ever have. You ain't kidding. I mean, uh, and I, I do, as silly as I can be, I do kind of stay on top of it. Because I feel an obligation to the rest of the world to, you know, churn out a halfway decent product. Yeah. And Jenny fills in the gaps on the rest. You know, she, you know, Jenny has a background in education, Janice, really quick. I was homeschooling him when the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. And I was his... I was his <laughs> I was his high school Spanish teacher for three weeks and I got fired in week four by my wife 
because we were eating dinner. It was Taco Tuesday, and Lincoln asked me, the Spanish teacher, what date we celebrate Cinco de Mayo on. And I was like, yeah, I'm failing. It's Spanish. Oh, it's May oh, 5th. It's May 5th. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but he didn't know. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm good here. How did you guys do in the pandemic? Uh, it's really crazy. So I, because I was doing my radio show from home, I was having them on the air a lot just to give other families a window into what our lockdown I looked like. I love that. Yes. Yeah, so I would have him on uh, on Friday for an hour. I would have her on Thursday for an hour and just kind of deal people in on what our house felt like. But on the whole, it's really weird because at the time, you know, it was very adverse. It felt like we were witnessing like a societal collapse. But there were also aspects of it, you know, that were wonderful. Like we yes. had so much time with our family in a weird, guilty way as all these terrible things were going on. And mm -hmm. we, you know, we all know people we lost. Uh, we were having still that great time within the house. You know, the only thing I would say to people is like, you know, your drinking's a little rowdy when you get thrown out of a Zoom cocktail party. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even there. When did that happen? Uh, we, you know, it's funny. <laughs> there were a few good ones on my circuit where, you know, people were just logging onto the Internet and yeah. I'm having wine, I'm having beer. Oh. Never really got thrown out, but we I've had a good time. A, I've got a good story because I did the New Year's Eve Fox Nation oh. party. Oh. It was Dean Kane. <laughs> it was Carly, myself, and I can't remember, but I had like a bottle of wine and I was having such a good time that I think I drank that whole bottle of wine. <laughs> and then afterwards I came, I was like, that was a great show. My husband is like, how much wine did you drink? I mean, it. I, I'm embarrassed. Like I could never look at that again. And I'm sorry, Fox Nation. I was totally drunk when I did that. Well, it was New Year's Eve and so was everyone watching. So you were fine. Poor Dean Kane. I was like, I think at some point I wanted to marry. We would have been Dean, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're my best friends. <laughs> oh, you guys. But yes, I agree with you. Obviously, we went through tragedy, but I will look on that moment of being at home with my kids. Listen, I had a spare bedroom that had a green screen Stop in it. I mean, it. people used to say to me, like, oh, you know, why don't you just do weather from home? They could, you know, put a green screen in your basement. I'm like, you, that is what? No. That will never happen. <laughs> And it did. <laughs> and you did 200 hits in a row from home. It's after true. That. But just I had my kids would come up after they would wake up and they would come in right before I was doing a weather report and like give me a hug. Oh. I mean, that's stuff you can't. It was sweet. There's something about like, especially on my radio side of that, you know, seeing your kid in a break or I'd, my cat would walk by. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, the cat's here. Yeah. You know, and it really was. It gave everything such like a homey vibe mm -hmm. in a weird way. And uh, what I can tell now is we've gotten back into regular life. I can tell who worked at home like a year too long because their social cues are off. I've met a lot of nervous people in elevators who haven't had to make small talk in two years. Yeah. They're like, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, I'm like, no, you just, just say hello. You're going to be fine. But everybody has become like a rescue dog in that, you know, when people walk into the shelter, they all perk up. Yeah. You see a lot of that in the building. People, you know, just, <laughs> I pet a guy's stomach the other day on the sixth floor. I'm like, it's Stop. fine. Now, I am fascinated by stand-up. I mm -hmm. did it once. I did one of those funniest reporter contests. Oh, that's great. And I really did enjoy it, mm -hmm. but I don't think I could make a living of it. Oh, you could if you wanted to take the beating. Uh, and what I mean by that is, because you're obviously always funny. We're always laughing when we run into each other. Right. Comedy is really interesting, but it's really about, we all have funny ideas, mm -hmm. but it's about packaging them into a shorthand that strangers can follow. Okay. So hear me out. Everybody's like, oh, Bob from accounting should be a comedian. He's hilarious. <laughs> 
It's because everyone in accounting speaks the shorthand of Bob, the types of reports they turn in, the deadlines they're on, the other people they cross-pollinate with. Okay. And the reason Bob bombs in a comedy club is nobody sitting in the club speaks that shorthand. Okay. So you need to package your ideas in like a broader sense. Okay. So in the beginning of comedy, we're all deluded into thinking, you know, oh, I'm going to do this. It's going to be amazing. But we all bomb in the beginning. But it's just a matter of whether you're willing to subject yourself to that repeated, you know, re-editing, that repeated retelling of these funny ideas until they're packaged in a way that everybody gets it. Okay. Because comedy, it's just a conversation. You're saying something, the audience is responding, whether they're laughing, clapping, booing, or whatever they happen to do. Yes. But you need that, I mean it, Janice, you need like a year and a half of delusion to convince yourself that you're the guy. You know, three billion people are gonna attempt stand-up comedy today. I'm the guy that's gonna make the living. I'm the guy that's gonna go somewhere in yes. life. And that delusion, that belief, powers you through that year of being terrible. Mm. And you have laughs, you do good, but your standard of good changes so dramatically. Mm -hmm. So the first time I did stand-up, it was at an open mic in uh, the New York Comedy Club on the east side. And How it was old at, were you? Uh, whoa, so I'm 44. So I was like legit 28, okay. 27, 28. Um, so it was a true open mic though, not just comics. People could play guitar. Okay. Woman went on before me, woman went on before me and actually did a monologue that she dedicated to her late grandmother. <laughs> punctuated it by putting a rose on the stool because the grandma's name was Rose and then cried her way off stage. Oh my. And now over the God mic, they're like, please welcome comedian Jimmy Fela. And I'm like, what can I even say? You guys are all laughed out from Rose, right? <laughs> and like, thankfully, like being in the moment got a laugh, but then my material had nothing. You know what I mean? Because it was just new garbage, you know? <laughs> But at being in that moment, and that's where like live performance skills are very helpful in the beginning, yeah. is they will make you an MC because you can do crowd work okay. and you don't really need material. Yep. As you get material, you can stop MCing and actually just be an act. Okay. You know? So on the road now, like I'm in going to Spokane, then I'm going to Vegas, then I'm going to Dallas the next three weeks, oh. you know, you're just doing an hour. You know, somebody brings you on and you're the guy that does Is the your hour. act always the same or a variation? You change it a lot because I incorporate a fair amount of current events. I'm not a terribly political act. Like okay. I'm really talking more lifestyle observations yes. than anything. But I'll package the news of the week into those observations, okay. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So what happens a lot with topical comedy is it has a really short shelf life. Yes. So people have always said to us, like, oh, it was so good being a comic for Trump or so good for Biden. And the answer is no, because, you know, you're operating on a patient that's going to die tomorrow no matter what you do because <laughs> something else is going to be said. Right. And it's just that there's no shelf life. So we're actually, if you're a political comedian, uh, you're working harder now than you ever did. Yes. Back in the day, if you're a political comedian, there was always like two of them, okay? Yeah. And it was like, so Bill Clinton hooked up with Monica Lewinsky. You had five years of telling that joke, maybe 10. You, <laughs> you know? can still tell it George, now. Yeah, of course. George W. Bush says nuclear in a funny way. Nuclear, whatever he says. Oh, great. But now these guys are just churning out content. <laughs> right. Oh, it's killing me. I'm it's exhausted. Twitter. Yes. How do you think Twitter has changed the game? Well, this is what I think. I think two things. One, um, this is where comedy gets into trouble. We don't get in as much trouble in the comedy club is we do when the jokes venture out of the club. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Everybody in the club had two drinks. 
and shook hands on the premise that none of this is serious. Yeah. And they had an opening act and an MC, and they had the camaraderie of, hey, we're just cutting loose. Yeah. But when it gets out to the world, and they're not having two drinks, and they are in some instances looking for outrage, not because they're genuinely offended, but because there's a currency yeah. that comes with victimhood. Mm-hmm. That's what kind of jammed up comedy. What I think the, you know, the, the tricky needle to thread is, you know, you're giving this stuff away. So uh, on some level, you know, if it's a really good joke for your act, it's like, I want to tweet this, it'll crush, but then I kind of ruined, you know? Right. But then at the same time, Janice, it's like, but it is topical. So why would I wait a week? It's going to be less potent by the time I save it for (laughs) stand-up. So that's what it is. Basically, every comic in the world now, because of the combination of outrage and also joke preservation, we spend 23 hours a day going, should I tweet this? (laughs) Every comic. They all have a hundred ideas and then it's just three hours of, should I tweet? I don't know. Is right. this a joke? Is it? And that's yeah. what happens. And you still love it. Oh, it's just so much fun. There's no supplement for that. What's changed now is really only in like the last year, for real, um, are they actually showing them because they know who I am. Like mm. and now I'm doing like, you know, like legitimate, like in Vegas and playing the Red Rock Resort uh, November 5th. And that's like a thousand seats sold out, two shows. Oh really my rad. Goodness. But again, they're there to see you. And that's yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm used to being the guy who goes on before the guy you've heard of, right. you know, just distracting you to get you to buy your drinks. I'm making <laughs> balloon animals and card tricks. <laughs> and now they're there. And uh, what I love about it, this is the truth, is there's a spontaneity to live performance um, that if if it resonates with you, it's your favorite thing in the world. Because Mm -hmm. what happens is like you're backstage with a plan and uh, the universe is already laughing. You haven't told the joke yet. The universe is like, oh, you're going to do that tonight. Right. And then someone drops a tray of drinks. So there's a bachelorette party yes. with all kinds of weird X-rated straws and hats and everything in between. <laughs> you never get the clean turf to run on. Right. <laughs> but it makes it fun. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We'll be back with more sunshine right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Give me an example of of something that just like you weren't anticipating it and it turned out to be either awesome or terrible. Okay, so I was in the Lake of the Ozarks two weeks ago. Jenny Fallon was in tow. Okay. Okay, we were doing a... Ozarks? Yeah, the Ozarks, girl. They filmed the show there and everything... I, I love that oh, show. Oh, so there you go. Well, they told me everything's true. They're like, it's all true, actually. Stop. Oh, it's a, the, it was a fascinating place. Really? The Ozarks is like, it's like a casino in that, you know, a casino is the only place in the world where you could see a guy in like a black tuxedo sitting next to a guy in a hockey jersey with no, with shorts on? Right. That's the Ozarks. Or a bathroom. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. You've got yachts and then you've got the the inflatable raft, but it's all there. Okay. okay. Well, anyway, we're talking about things you don't anticipate. Mm-hmm. So Jenny Fail is in the crowd. She's a great sport. You can say anything in front of Jenny. She doesn't care. Um, there's a woman in the front row of my show. And uh, like the 40-minute mark, and it's a really good crowd. She just goes, oh, gosh, Jimmy, I love you so much. Can I give you a hug? And I was like, of course you can. And she's like, Jenny won't mind? And I'm like, no. She goes, well, can I show you my boobs? <laughs> 
I'm kidding. And I don't know if she was like 85. She was older. That but she is was fabulous. Frisky. But there's a lot of that. And like, so Jenny did was, she? Yeah, Jenny was like, make it quick. Stop <laughs> yeah, it. it she funny. did? No, no, she didn't flash oh, me, but okay. it was funny. But Jenny just joked. She was like, make it quick. <laughs> That's funny. She's got, I'm telling you, she's got chops. I love that. Now, people who want to do comedy, mm-hmm. should they talk about what they know? Like when I did that one mm-hmm. comedy routine, it was about the weather, yep. me doing the weather. Perfect. That's what you're supposed to do. We're all trying in comedy to create a one person demographic. Okay. Tell your story because they always say it's the only thing that hasn't been done hmm. is you. Right. You know, they've done the airlines. They've done the politics. So, like, my act had a lot to do on my way up with being a cab driver. Right. Because, again, it was very specific to me. Uh-huh. And it's also good branding because they always, in their head, when they leave the club, talk about some specific aspect. Like, oh, the, the cab guy was good. You right. know what I mean? So, oh, the weather was good. You know, yep. and that's what you do. That's the branding exercise that okay. carries you forward in their head. You're supposed to write about what you know. And... I mean, I, the best advice I always give people is stand-up comedy is who you would be in life if there were no repercussions for your actions. Mm. Because It's the superhero version of you. And funny, Larry David told me that. He used to drive a cab, and uh, we were hanging out in the green room at Caroline's. I was opening for Jeff Garland, Kirby Enthusiasm. And, you know, when he heard my act that I drove a cab, he was like, oh, my God, I drove a cab. And we talked for a while. And basically what he had said to me is his character in Curb Your Enthusiasm is who he would be in real life. He's not that confrontational in real life. He's like, right. I get killed, <laughs> you know. But he wants to be. So his character is who he wishes he could be. Mm-hmm. And that's who you are in stand-up. Go on stage, talk about your life, your relationships, your employment scenarios, whatever they happen to be, and tell the audience what you'd say if you could. Mm. You know, because there are a lot of instances where you can't. Mm-hmm. But that's what it is. You're building the superhero version of yourself. Mm-hmm. That's why people are always so underwhelmed by comedians, because you've met the superhero on stage. And then wow. you're hanging out with them off stage. That's not a, true with you, though. Well, I'm listen, I'm just the same thing. I, I do mean that, but it's a rare example of someone being the same thing um, is that, you know, I run a very primitive software system in my head, and I'm not saying that to be humble. Like, I'm like a human iPhone 2, <laughs> and it's it's because of driving a cab, you spend so much time surrounded in adversity. You know, mm-hmm. traffic, the you know, you're, you're in six lanes of traffic, but a fire truck needs to get through, the yep. guy in the back screaming at you. You learn to operate in this place of zen where you're emotionally, um, you, you have no emotional investment. In, in most of what you're doing, and it makes you calm. And that's why I find it, I find it easy to be in the moment on TV and radio is because I'm in my head stuck in six lanes of traffic on the BQE with a guy swinging a screwdriver at me in the back seat, and a cop needs to get through on the shoulder, and people are trying to follow him so they can get through traffic quicker. That's kind of where my headspace is at. Yeah. So I have a superpower, but I'm lucky. I mean, and it's a superpower I got by, you know, spending 15 hours a day in a Crown Victoria with my soul in a fetal position, you know. <laughs> but I live to tell the tale, Janice. You really did, and you meet all of humanity driving a cab. Woo, I have met people from every corner of this planet as well as some other planets driving a cab. <laughs> like There is no world. Janice, I met a woman I drove to Cadman Plaza in Brooklyn who got in with a sock puppet on each hand and they yelled at me. The couple fought. Stop. They fought over my driving. They fought over her singing career. 
and they screamed and yelled. I wanted to take the Manhattan Bridge because we're going to Cadman Plaza. They wanted to take uh, the Williamsburg Bridge. Uh, we won out. Me and the man won out. And the female puppet screamed about the patriarchy for 20 minutes. And we got to Cadman Plaza, and the woman sat up, uh, made eye contact for the only time during the ride, and was like, you need help. Oh, and slammed the door. I can't. That is a sitcom right there. You see so much of that weird stuff. So she was going. There's a place over there in Park Slope that's like, that is an actual puppet theater. But if you didn't know it existed, you just thought it was some wacko who walks around talking to people with puppets. Right. But it, what it actually was, it's no different. It happens a lot to you when you drive mornings. Actors on the way to auditions will ask you to read sides with them. Oh, my so I've probably, goodness. I've probably, in my life, done that 50 times where someone's on the way to an audition and you're actually reading sides. Oh. And they're in the back giving you lines. It's fun. Do you miss it? Yes, a lot. Um, the crazy psychotic hours. But again, the, the spontaneity of it all, the discovery. You know, because people get in in this day and age, everybody's looking at their phone. But if you are friendly, you know, we're calibrated. We're social beings. So they do want to talk to you. And in my experience of driving a cab, I made, I made a lot of like home team tips because people appreciated the old school. You're an affordable therapist, mm. you know, and that's you could always tell that. It's going away, though, because even on Uber, it says, do you want to talk to the guy? Yeah, yeah. Do you notice that? <laughs> it's so weird. It now. is weird. Uber silent. They have all these apps. <laughs> Uber X, Uber pool. But I, I talk to the person who's it's, driving me yeah. and one woman recently said, you know, she had a woman who basically told her she was getting a divorce and was crying in the car. And wow. yeah, I mean, yeah, it gets heavy. Well, this is what happens. People get into a taxi. They think they're never going to see you again. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes they'll go on for 40 minutes about their love life. And here's a newsflash. Sometimes you see them again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, good morning, cowboy. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, he. But there's a lot of that. I had a couple get engaged in the back of my cab. Um, interesting story. They were Canadian. Okay. Uh, she wanted to go to the Sex and the City home. Yeah. Of the Sarah Jessica Parker home over in the village. Okay. And uh, it's really funny because he got out. He's like, if you could just stay. He's like, we're not getting out. If you could just pull over and throw the hazards on. So I wasn't in on it. I didn't know what they were doing. Okay. So he got out in front of the house. He's like, we're just going to take a picture of Sex and the City house. Did you know where that house was? Yeah, because you drop enough tourists off. Okay. There, um, over in the village, and uh, what you call it? So we're on like West 12th Street, right over by Bank, and he gets out on the corner, and they take their selfie, and he proposes, and I'm like, oh well, they're getting engaged, and in a perfect New York moment, some guy yelled out of a van, "I give it a month." <laughs> It was so good. Like, she's crying. They took their picture. I give it a month. That was great. Good times. What do you, where do you see yourself in 20 years? Oh, man. My son always says, he's like, I'm going to take over your show. I would love that. I would love to be the lazy stage dad. Yes. Just eating pills and yelling at my kid on TV. What are you doing with that? You call that a sot? Come on, man. Uh, I mean, hopefully doing what I'm doing in any capacity, because we are the luckiest people on earth. Mm -hmm. And I try to, I, I don't, it takes no effort for me to remember that because I've worked in far more adverse scenarios than this. Uh, but hopefully just in a position, and I do mean this, where I can give back. Because what mm. I've noticed is really one of the most empowering things you can do is help other people. Yeah. You know, someone's told that in my cab, like if you feel helpless, help somebody. And it's true. If you're broke, but you give somebody else three bucks, you know, sometimes that really changes the trajectory of their day. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, just want to be somewhere having fun, TV, radio, you know, slanging some jokes. There is something about that, you know, tipping um, mm. to a person whose job you did at one point. Oh, yeah. And I think that's 
really important. Oh, you have no idea the things I'm doing to drivers right now. <laughs> you have. It's like we can't even repeat it on a family show like this. I'm kidding. But no, I agree. And uh, to, if, if I could be anywhere, uh, it's just, you know, somewhere fun. I think that's the answer. My fantasy, if you want to know what my fantasy is, uh, I actually want to go be a trucker like all the truckers that call into my show. Yes. Because I miss driving. And I like, you know, I used to drive 15 hours a day. I don't drive at all. Do you know the last time I drove was? Uh, during UN week. The driver taking me home from Gutfeld was so overwhelmed by the street closures. I was like, hey, man, I'm like, this is not an indictment of you or your driving. But I was a, a full time cab driver okay. for a long time. Yep. I'm like, if it really if it helps in any way, why don't you just ride shotgun and get in the back? I will get us home. And, get he, out. and he was like, for real? He's like, are you serious? And I'm like, I showed him my old hack license and we had a laugh. I'm like, just you go through enough. I'm like, it'll be fun for me. I'm like, I'm not doing oh it because you suck. Goodness. I'm like, I'm doing it because I never get to drive. It'll be so much fun for me. And it was amazing because I, I showed him the back roads um, through Queens uh, over the 59th Street Bridge, yeah. gave him a shortcut to the LIE, took him home, and I still tipped him, but I drove. I'm like, He's that like, Do I have to tip you? Is but it was an art form. That's kind New of fun. York City driving. <laughs> I I am astonished. And my husband, mm -hmm. being from Brooklyn, knows all the little shortcuts and stuff like that. So when I get a in a car where the guy knows these little tiny yeah, yeah. shortcuts, I'm like, this guy is impressive. This is our guy. Right? <laughs> How so long true. did it take you to get all well, of that? Well, you know what it is? You absorb it because if you're smart when you're driving a cab, everybody who gets in, you ask them if they have a preferred route. And the wow. reason you do is because you're usually taking them to work or you're taking them home. Okay. And they do, number one, know the most efficient route. But two, if something goes wrong, they can't beat you up. Ah. If they said take Hudson up right. to 8th Avenue and, you know, make a left at 62nd. Yes. Then you're not the bad guy if there's like a ninja fight when you make the left on 62nd and you're yep. now there for an hour. Yep. So in the beginning, it becomes a survival skill. And then you just learn it because of efficiency. Because there's one thing people don't know about cab drivers. We do make all our money off turnover. Every time a new passenger gets in, they put 250 on the meter plus the $1.50 yes. surcharge. So we don't, in theory, want to take you the long way. Because mm -hmm. your long way in an hour won't generate as much revenue yes. as four short trips. Right. That's why we're driving like psychos. <laughs> and part of the other thing really quick is there is a rhythm to the road in New York. And okay. if anyone's thinking about driving here for the first time, you are, and I'm not joking, like you're supposed to drive like in a best case scenario, you kill the three cars in front of you. You oh. don't hit them, you kill them. Okay. What does that mean? Meaning you're trying to commit vehicular homicide because that's what the road expects of you as a cab. Okay, like if you, so what I mean is like, if I was driving up Sixth Avenue and there was a yellow light, if I didn't run that yellow light, yes. I would get rear-ended because everyone behind me is like, oh, the cab is going to run the yellow light. That's the expectation. <laughs> so like you really will, like New York is, is psychotic. It's the only place where you could see someone high beaming a cop, like speed it up, buddy. We don't have all day because <laughs> nobody cares. But you need to know that when you get on the road here is there's a rhythm. If you drive conservatively, you corrupt the rhythm. Mm -hmm. That's when the horns start, people hit you, things go on. Mm -hmm. So you have to like treat it like it's its own vehicular running of the bulls. Okay. So my favorite thing as a cab driver, and I would see this all the time at red lights, is you can always tell who's driving in New York for the first time. They're really like overwhelmed of and course. looking around. But the best guy to spot is the guy who's driving in New York for the last time. <laughs> he's never doing this again. And he's telling the person he's with why, and maybe it was their fault to drive in. And <laughs> yeah. I told you to take the train, Marie. Now we're driving, this guy's cutting me off. I'm getting over! 
What do you want from me? I'm getting a red light. You know, and you're just watching them lose their mind. Yeah. And it's so much fun. And I'm just sitting there holding the wheel. Again, zen. I process none of it because you're just there. Yeah. So you learn to like, you learn, this is a thing. It's a good life skill. You learn to listen to the universe. Okay. The universe has got its own thing going on. And it's good, it's, good, it's good for showbiz. Everybody in showbiz wants to get somewhere. We're all standing in lines mm-hmm. that we're not even aware we're standing in. But every once in a while, through nothing you did on your own, the line moves. Someone yeah. gets a promotion. Someone gets a transfer. Someone does whatever. You move a step closer to that thing you wanted. Okay. So the point is get in line. Be cool with the people next to you in line. Right. <laughs> you know? And just be a decent dude to be around. You can really get somewhere if you're willing to just keep on showing up and standing in the dang line. That's what I say. I, I am making my husband listen to this podcast because he (laughs) might be the worst, like he will yell, scream, curse in New York traffic. (laughs) And he needs like a Zen lesson from you. I'm going to drive him around. We're going to have some life coaching behind the Well, here's the thing. Mm. I just thought of something I would love to do Mm. is I would love to ride around in a cab with you. Whoa, Janice Dean. I think that could be a show. That's a funny show. Don't you You, think so? Yeah, and you interview people and talk to them about stuff. Oh my goodness. It's it's way up my alley. I don't think they'd insure us though. We look like a dangerous (laughs) bunch. (laughs) Can we? I think we'd have a great time. I think what they would do though I agree with this. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Okay, I'm already, I'm in on it. But what they're gonna do is they're gonna do that movie thing where they put us on a flatbed truck, but we're in a taxi. <laughs> oh, like the James Corden. Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. And he doesn't really drive. Oh, we have. I'll be I know we have to. The waiters. Uh, you have to tell me what you think about that. Well, listen, man. Uh, carpool karaoke or him ripping up the staff? Because both. Was, okay. Well, the staff thing is really. It's really. Have ju- you known that he's not really yes. a nice guy? Oh, oh. I was <gasps> telling Bill and Dana this the other day. Oh, I love this. Why is it taking us so long to get here? Because it always does, because their forward-facing persona is so welcoming and wonderful and sweet and cherubic. I was t- I covered this on Newsroom. I was saying, as, as horrible backstage people go, he is a nine on a scale of one what? to... On a scale of one to Ellen, he why is a is nine. This, okay, mm-hmm. why haven't we known this until now? Staff usually does, and the reason you don't hear about it is because they're concerned. You know, they don't want to get in trouble at work. They don't want to out. They do feel a loyalty to the show and stuff like that. But he just, his deal with his staff, to be clear, is he's not mean to them. He just has no time. He doesn't talk to them. Like, you're not people. Like, he doesn't know who the camera is. Yeah, that's a true story. But I've seen it on other late night shows. A funny story. Um, There was a big NBC charity called uh, Red Nose Day. We Mm -hmm. raised a lot of money for charity. And, like, everybody was in it. Like, Ed Sheeran, like, John Cougar Mellencamp, like, and all these other late night hosts that aren't Gutfeld. And uh, I was in a green room with all of them because I was one of the warm-up comics, and it was really fascinating. But I watched uh, a late-night show host here in the city spend an hour next to his warm-up comic, the guy who juices the crowd for yep. him, and never acknowledge this human being's existence. Oh, my gosh. Because they have that thing, that, like, I'm untouchable elite. Ugh. Yeah, you're not even people to me. So what happened to Corden, which is really interesting, is... His behavior at the restaurant is so much worse than we're hearing, and I can tell you that because understand, if you're the owner of that restaurant, McNally, you bagging on a celebrity is kind of a flare to other celebrities not to come right? because they don't want their horrible behavior out of it. So you understand for him to have done that, mm-hmm. it had to be bad enough exactly. that he was going to lose his staff. Right. So he throws a, he's a temperamental guy. Okay. And that's probably what it is. And I think part of, you know, celebrity is people become a victim of their own success in that they're so used to everything going the way they want mm-hmm. that he really probably considered it an indignity. 
that they had to send back an egg. Like, how dare we send back an egg? And like, oh, it's going to be 30 seconds, you right. know? And I think that's a little bit of like, it's, it's you lose perspective. And I think it's one of the criticisms of like somebody like Meghan Markle who catches a lot of heat mm-hmm. is, you know, you're living in a time where 70% of the country is living paycheck to paycheck. Yes. No one wants to hear how hard it is to be a princess. Right. <laughs> like you have a string quartet that serenades you on the potty. Okay. <laughs> you're getting eight handed massages. Like yes. I, I don't doubt there are difficulties to any job, but the yeah. point is certain jobs. Yes. You've almost relinquished your right to complain. Right. <laughs> to, at don't insult the, us. At least to the little people. Yeah. That's all. So okay. that's what Corden is. He's a, fr- he's a front facing cherub, sweet and happy. And, uh, you know, behind the scenes, just a monster. Wow. Monster. Do you think that's why he's leaving? On some level, uh, I also just think there's nowhere to go. Like what happens with Late Night is a lot of those shows are like Pope jobs. You just get them and do them till Forever. you die. And you realize if yeah. you're a guy like him, he has a very basic format. We're going to mm-hmm. do the karaoke. Here's some silly celebrity jokes. <laughs> you know, the Kardashians are here. Yeah. And it really is its own odd Groundhog Day. Yeah. And I think that's what it was. He probably just outgrew it and mm-hmm. wanted to go make another bad rendition of Cats. <laughs> that's too bad, right? Yeah. He brought so much joy. He was good. Right? He did a good job. People liked him. He- um, you know, carpool karaoke, even though they weren't driving... People liked it. It yeah. was a good, you know, it's a good online well, we thing. We need to do that our own version. Yo, if we did like carpool Jimmy and karaoke. JD. <laughs> right? It's, and we could talk about, I don't know, everything. And then you could drive me to places I've never seen in New York. I love that. And this take is, the shortcut. This is just a workaround to your Uber expenses. <laughs> I, I love, you're always scheming, Janice Dean. That's why we all love you. She's like, then you could garden at my house. And <laughs> well, Jimmy, I, I adore you. And I Aww. hope that we can do this more often no, because I do find you very very fascinating. Oh, and buddy. you're also such a kind human being. I'm getting there. I'm the, I'm the James Corden of Fox. Like behind the scenes, oh, I have a British accent and I just yell at everybody. Stop it. You know what? Oh, I forgot to say this. Jimmy Fela, you made the Dean's List. Boom! There it is. Cue the theme song from the Jeffersons. I love you, buddy. Miss you already. To be continued. Okay, wasn't that a great podcast? And I am going to follow up on that idea of me and Jimmy driving around New York City in a cab. He truly is one of the hardest working people in showbiz and one of the nicest humans I've ever met as well. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.